Welcome to the Niches You. My name is Matt Gottesman at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, and this is my daily podcast where I create short, quick hitting episodes to help you uncomplicate life, creativity, and the pursuit of your highest self. There's only main character energy here. Now let's get into it. Welcome to episode 209. The only style worth having is the one you can't help. And I'm going to bring a little bit more context to this, but this really is the niche is you. This came from Paul Graham, respected programmer, writer, venture capitalist. He often discusses the importance of taste in the context of entrepreneurship, programming, and arts. But this actually came from an article he wrote, Taste for Makers, where he wrote, At an art school where I once studied, the students wanted most of all to develop a personal style. But if you just try to make good things, you'll inevitably do it in a distinctive way, just as each person walks in a distinctive way. Michelangelo was not trying to paint like Michelangelo. He was just trying to paint well. He couldn't help painting like Michelangelo. The only style worth having is the one you can't help. I love this. (laughs) You guys know I love this. And I wanted to break that down a little bit before I go into some finer points from Paul Graham's article on Taste for Makers. And really, the the, the points I'll, I'll bring up from that article are that taste is a driver of quality, the development of taste, taste and innovation, the intersection of taste and work, and taste as a guiding principle. So before I dive into each of those areas, What I love is that he says, but if you just try to make good things, you'll inevitably do it in a distinctive way, just as each person walks in a distinctive way. Each person is their own unique individual, right? That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the niche is you. And we all have a unique style and sense of taste. Now imagine that if you are injecting that into your creativity and trying to do something very well, create anything very well, whether it's a product for others to uh, consume because it, it solves some sort of a, a, a need or desire or a problem uh, to a way that you communicate, uh, whether it's through uh, you know the, a podcast, your writing, a website, uh, or just in general to the, to, the, to the world at large, we all um, hopefully <laughs> want to make good things. And when you do it with the intention of giving it the details it needs and getting rid of the external noise, your individual taste will emerge. And on a side note, as a really great tactic that I've often stressed um, when I've, you know, I have a very distinctive uh, branding style with any of my personal brands I've created all the way to the way I've, uh, I've branded clients to the way, uh, to projects I've worked on, to even uh, how I've worked with personal brands. And, uh, but you can see it in my social media, you can see it with my websites, you can see it with even the packaging of like classes and workshops to the design of the upcoming apparel to my writing style, right? People um, have uh, often noted about that. And it's interesting because that that comes from where I said, if you just try to make good things, being in motion has is what's allowed my distinctiveness and uh, individual um, perspective come out through it. A lot of times, people sit on the sidelines 
collecting as much information. You don't really know your style or taste until you start creating and then you want to keep creating and keep refining and keep iterating. Anything. This isn't just about art, as I always tell you guys. This isn't even about entrepreneurship, although it is very much so because I'm both an artist and an entrepreneur. But you get the point that like anything you do, whether it's been at your nine to five or as you've heard me say in the past, even working on spreadsheets, how good can you actually make them? Making good things shows your style and taste. And I've, I've a great little cool maneuver you can do in a, a self audit or self observation. Try this for a week straight, uh, and you can use you know Pinterest for this. You can use um, you know you can jot down notes. You can use a little journal. I want you to pay attention to what you're attracted to in terms of um, websites, the products that you consume, the packaging of the products, the the fonts, the typography of the websites or of the products, um, things in your home or the way, um, you know, the social media profiles that you probably visit the most, whatever it might be. There's a, a distinctive style embedded in there and it's what's interesting is whenever I've done that for myself you see a lot of you know the the gray scale colors right black white all the grays all the you know all that with a little bit of color mixed in you see very minimalistic um, spacing uh, with uh, words that are bold but not too wordy you see um, it, it feels organized and clean, but it also feels artsy and it feels like, you know what I mean? Like it has a whole distinctive style. Your style is built into a lot of the things you do on a daily basis, whether you know you are doing it or not. And it's a really great exercise to see what is your style and taste. Now, when you then go to make things in this world, anything, a lot of that style and taste is going to come through you into that. And I think that that's why I like when he said Michelangelo was not trying to paint like Michelangelo. He was just trying to paint well. He couldn't help but paint like Michelangelo. He, you ended up learning his style. It was like, wow, he's very, it's a very Renaissance style. It's very realistic. Um, it's very detailed. It's very um, you know, unique and distinct to him. And it became a, a, an everlasting historically referenced style. Long after he was gone. And I love that he said, you know, the only style worth having is the one you can't help because you're just being yourself. And you cannot do that from the sidelines, as I keep telling you guys. Like, you have to be immersed in life creating something, anything. And this isn't, again, just about art. It's about just having a project, having something that you are bringing your value through. You're using something in the world as a medium to deliver your thoughts, your expressions, the, 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 the value that you want to help contribute in some way. For some, it could be in solving a problem. And for others, it could be uh, fulfilling a need or a desire. For some, it could be helping them with their finances. Others, it could be their, their health and wellness. Others, it could be their, their actual fashion sense, whatever right? It can go in a multitude of ways. I always like to express that because I don't want people to automatically think, well, I'm not artistic. Yes, you are in some capacity. It could be the way you prepare food. It could be the way you study. It could be the way you organize drawers. <laughs> I mean, it could literally be anything, anything. 
Art is art is in everything, and it's the way we do anything. So I want you to think about it like that. Now, there were uh, a few key points within the Taste for Makers article that Paul Graham wrote. The five areas are taste as a driver of quality, the development of taste, taste and innovation, the intersection of taste and work, and taste as a guiding principle. And I wanted to go over those because I thought that they were just, they were really good. Taste is a driver of quality. Graham posts that having good taste is crucial for creating high quality work, whether in programming, design, or any creative endeavor. Good taste helps creators distinguish between what is merely good and what is truly great. Now, again, some may say, well, I don't really have that great a taste. Well, like my, the first thing I, I created was shit. Uh, it doesn't look as good or like, you know, or you think that you have to be great off the bat. No, great is an act. It's a verb. What you've initially put out may actually not be that good. It's very possible. It's very probable. And you also need to get over that because the effort is what brings you the iteration, the change, the pivot, the the compounding effect of constantly working on your art. Michelangelo may have been talented, but if he looked between his very first piece and his last piece, he would see a drastic difference. Any of us do. So I, I do want you to think about it as the journey of high quality work is just that. It's constantly being immersed in the work. And you will over time... Um, like when he says taste is a driver of quality, you grow your taste from constantly being driven by quality for the work that you are putting out. That is a consistency play that has nothing to do with the very first thing you ever create and that, oh, I don't have good taste because the first thing sucked. That's not how it works. Maybe somebody else can tell you that. I don't believe that that's how it works. The second point, the development of taste. So first we were talking about the taste as a driver of quality because if we are driven by quality or good work, we will keep improving our taste. The second one is the development, which is really that. He often, in, in, in the article, he often explores how taste can be developed over time through exposure to high quality work, practice, and the cultivation of a discerning eye or ear for detail. For Graham, developing taste is an ongoing process that requires both awareness and effort. Think about this. Exposure to high-quality work, be around people who are better than you. Practice, keep doing it, and the consistency of doing it, and the cultivation of a discerning eye or ear for detail. How does that come about? Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you a breakdown in business that I've seen this time again. I've witnessed other people. I was just even literally having this conversation with another uh, I'm going to exclude names. <laughs> so, but it's always fascinating to me when um, business people uh, or businesses fire the crown jewel, the person who really like brought the um, the efficiency, the design, the growth, the money, the value, all the things. Why they get bigger and then all of a sudden they fire the crown jewel they get rid of the crown jewel always so fascinating to me um and the reason i i bring this up is because the crown jewel has a very discerning eye or ear for detail because they are immersed in the work you don't fire the crown jewel who knows 
every single detail of what's being built for the business. And I've had this discussion with several people and I myself have dealt with it because I have been fired off of contracts after delivering immense value. And it's like this, as an analogy. Uh, and I love using uh, like the, let's say you are the, the grand champion driver of the Ferrari in the Le Mans race. And you are the championship driver. And someone says, you know what? We always keep winning. I think we're done working with you. They get rid of the driver. You can hand them over the, the, the car. You can hand them that Ferrari. You can hand them that beautiful engine. You can hand them the manual. You can hand them everything. But the driver knows every single turn, every single approach. They know that, oh, on turn eight, if the nuts and bolts in the engine aren't this, you know, I, the turn isn't going to be the same. That development, that discernment, for the details comes from being in the work. And some of you may feel this when you're around people or you work, if you work for people who they're not in the work, but they somehow know how to tell people what to do, right? Something to be think about. So I want you to think about, one, can you uh, be around high quality work? So it doesn't have to necessarily be yours, but it could be others. Practicing your work to make it better and better and better, which is where you develop your taste and cultivating discernment, a discerning eye or ear for the detail. When you are immersed in the work, your value is so high. Don't let anybody ever tell you it's not. And if they fire you, that <laughs> watch how quickly that changes for them over time. And don't gloat and don't say I told you so and don't anything. The grace comes from, you know what? Do you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna keep building on my development of my taste. You'll have a very distinct approach to things and you'll be known for that and you're building constantly on your own reputation. The third thing, taste and innovation. Graham suggests that taste plays a critical role, role in innovation. By understanding and appreciating the nuances of what has come before, innovators can push boundaries and create something new and valuable. This is so true. I'm not here to reinvent a wheel, but I am here to improve it. So when you appreciate what has come before you, that has led up to the perspective of which you can understand something now, it can then help shape and build an even further developed perspective, more depth, and it helps you, it actually helps push your own boundary, which helps push the boundaries of everybody else within a particular thing. That's huge in my opinion. The fourth, the intersection of taste and work. In his writings, Graham frequently discusses how work that stems from personal taste or interest can lead to more meaningful and impactful outcomes. He encourages creators to pursue projects that resonate with their personal sense of taste and quality. This goes back to the niches you. Personal taste or interest. What you, what comes to you out of curiosity naturally, what you often find yourself drawn to these are signals these are meant for you to develop and pursue projects in and around it because that will help develop your personal sense of taste and quality and bring more value through mediums into the world right and when i say mediums for anybody listening i mean i know you guys get it but like that could be a book that you write it could be your social media it could be uh, apparel it could be um, workshops, it could be what you teach, it could be uh, products you develop, it could be anything that allows what you are 
energetically trying to bring out into the world that can be tangibly consumed in some capacity by the physical. Right. And then the final one that I want to bring up was taste as a guiding principle for Graham. Taste is not just about aesthetics or superficial preferences. And I want to say that because I think often at times when you hear kind of pop culture say, oh, that person's got taste and taste. And it's like this designer label and this. I don't I don't I don't think so at all, actually. It's a guiding principle that can inform decision making from the design of a product to the choice of projects to pursue. It's a guiding principle um, that can inform decision making from the design of a product to the choice of projects to pursue it is a way of life what resonates how does developing your own personal taste help you decide what you spend your energy time efforts and money on or what you want to pursue in this lifetime no matter what age no matter what season you're in Right? We are all meant to pursue something within us brought into the external in some capacity. We all come with value. It's our job to cultivate it and nurture it, optimize it, make it better. And like I said, you know, some time ago uh, in this episode, your first won't be as, as uh, defined as your, your last but everything in between is where you develop your taste and your style and your uniqueness that was always within you. I appreciate you guys listening to every single episode. Thank you. The only style worth having is the one you can't help. And that came from Paul Graham. I appreciate you guys listening to every single episode. Thank you. Uh, as always, check out the show notes. There are uh, several different links in there. There's ones for the free workshops. There's one for right design build master class. I actually reduced the price. Um, and then it'll just always be at that price. It should be very, you know, uh, uh, it, I made it very affordable, even more affordable. And then, uh, there's also the, the recommended reading list. I keep updating that guys, just to let you know. So you can, you know, maybe you might want to, uh, favorite it because you can always go back to that list at any time. And then also I mentioned we have our creator community. It's for creatives, artists, entrepreneurs, or just people looking to be more uh, uh, accountable <laughs> for the things that they want to do. We use frameworks and homework and weekly calls to keep everybody moving forward together and as individuals. I appreciate you guys. We made it very affordable. Please check it out. Um, you know, Love to have you in there. We've had a few new newcomers and it continues to grow. And uh, I just appreciate you guys. Lots of growth. Uh, please leave a five-star rating on Spotify. Please leave a five-star written review on Apple. It does help expand the awareness of the show. Thank you as always. Until next episode, I'm out. All right, that's it. We'll stop there for right now. I hope you found this helpful and applicable in some way. I want you to remember, you do not need to fit in. And you certainly do not need to fit into some category or title nor be put into some box. The niche is you. It always has been. Please share this with a friend and be sure to leave a rating and review. Your feedback means everything to me. And also, thank you for listening and supporting me. If you're new and you want to receive these the moment they come out, please text me 480-530-7352. Text me podcast. I promise to only send you the good stuff. Thank you. And until next time, I'm out.